We all know the drill. Boy meets girl, boy falls in love with girl, boy has to battle girl's evil exes to the death in order to win said girl. This comic book come to life tells the story of a lonely young man with an ordinary life and not so ordinary problems. I'm James Hockenjoes, and this is The Rewind. Hey guys, this is Jimmy, and you're listening to The Rewind, presented by House of Happy Podcast Network. Your scientists are so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they just don't think they should. Never tell me the odds. The Rewind. The Rewind. The Rewind. It's so bad. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to House of Havoc Presents The Rewind. A modern corruption. Oh, uh, fuck. I fucked that up. A modern corruption. Yeah. No. Corruption. An enthusiastic corruption of yes. modern day cinema. Indeed. We are Today, we're going to enthusiastically tackle Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Joining me today, Mr. Gage Zengi. Hey. How you doing? I'm all right. How are you, James? I'm doing okay. Cool. And we got Miss Emily Short. Hi. 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 How are you? So, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. One of the best comic book adaptations. The uh, you know, of all so time. it it yeah. it right was Blade. it was the Maybe best. <laughs> it was the best until Sony came out with the little movie in 2019. Spider Verse. Oh, uh, Spider Verse is the best. I would still give it. Oh wait, open. but we're really jumping into like the best comic book adaptation. In of terms all time. of a comic and book adaptation, Scott Pilgrim's number dose. Yeah, man. I would say the accuracy of adaptation. In terms of taking a comic book and putting it on the screen, whereas Spider Verse is quite literally a moving comic comic book. book. It's a moving comic book. So in terms of a live action, putting a comic book on the screen, I think Scott Pilgrim's up there with the best of them. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, I mean, this is such a wild time to talk about the best comic book adaptation because they're fucked every year. There's like six of them, and you know what else made it up there really quickly? The Boys. The Boys oh, the is boys incredible. Is the Boys is also a very young comic. The yeah. Boys was written, I believe, published in 2010. Mm-hmm. So that's a super young comic book. You're, when you're talking about stuff like Marvel, Spider-Man, I believe, debuted in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes. and, and and Superman debuted in the 20s, right? Mm-hmm. Or even no, they're all they're all 40s. The late, the late yeah. 30s, early 40s. Yeah. They both so came out at the same time. The Boys is incredible. When was Scott Pilgrim written? Um, oh six. I want to say around off the rip. There. Oh six. I, but I didn't do any research. It, yeah, I'm not gonna Actually, the first one came out because I think it was finished around 2010. Like right around this movie came out, it was it just finished. The all, comic book itself. Mm-hmm, they worked together. Oh. The writer and so when they when um the I'll I'll say it the oh, so Brian Lee O'Malley is the author of the comic book and when he came out the first one. Before any of, I think he maybe came out the second one too. And before the the six were finished, they had already had the first draft of the screenplay ready. So it was a comic book in the works, and then Edgar Wright was like, "I want to make that movie." Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I well, don't know. it's a, it's more of a graphic novel series yes. than it is a comic book. Yeah, I'm it, kind of just roping in, them into the same. I thing. Yeah, yeah, it's technically a graphic uh, novel. I actually read it in high school before seeing the movie, mm-hmm. so I I've 
loved this movie since it came out. Like, I was always a big fan. Me and my friends always quoted it. And we were huge Scott Pilgrim fans of the comic books. So mm-hmm. for us to have a very, very close adaptation was phenomenal. So um, is this an adaptation then if it's... I mean, I guess if the comic book was... Because then, like, Goodfellas is also an adaptation. Even though yes. the movie was finished before the book was. Yeah. But, I mean, well, Goodfellas is a weird one because it's like it's based on a true story too like it is based on the story of um Mm -hmm. henry hill Mm -hmm. and his life and it's glamorized by scorsese and um yeah who authored the book (laughs) no no No, who wrote wise guys oh i don't i don't don't remember if you work with scorsese you're n cull and that's just the fucking way earn yourself a name you piece of crap before we get too far away the reason that i put it up there as possibly the number one live action adaptation of a comic book of all time is that shot for shot pound for pound there are more direct comic book panels shot in this movie than any comic book movie ever made it's like almost the entire movie is shot for shot a comic book panel so i think actually so a few years ago shia labeouf I think it was him. He made a short film that was shot for shot, the comic book. And he got a lot of shit for it. Really? Yeah, people were like, go figure your own shit out. Be creative. Da, da, da. And we're sitting there like, Scott Pilgrim is. Uh, you know what's just another like, one? But, I mean, not to take it, it's not that it's not creative at all. But Yeah, I mean, another one that's very close to shot, shot for shot is The Losers. I don't know The Losers. The, it's more, that was a Vertigo comic or graphic novel. I think you. I've made you. Watch I've seen the losers. losers one time. Yeah, it's it's did not really. It wasn't a big movie or anything. Another Chris Evans though. Mm-hmm. Um, Zoe Saldana's in it, and uh, there's another big person too. It's very um, like not punny, but it's very like parody esque. Which is, but that's how the comic was. The too. Losers is like no, no, I believe that, yeah. but I'm just like giving it to him. It's like very. Mm-hmm. Another one that I haven't really seen, but I kind of get the feeling it's very similar in like the terms of what the message message mm-hmm. to like Tropic Thunder, mm-hmm. where it's like kind of, it's but, a parody of itself. Uh, yes and no. It's about a group of um like soldiers that get turned on, like the the U.S. turns on them. That get turned and, on. Well, no, no, I mean like they they're. They Fucking get... soldiers now. <laughs> Goddamn soldiers and sailors. No, I mean like, they get double crossed. Cigarettes, no. got boners. Cigarettes and boners, baby. <laughs> they, no, they get double crossed uh, by this like team in the U.S. and they're trying to get back and get their names cleared and stuff like that. It's, uh-huh. it's one of those types of movies, but it's really well done and it's uh, a great comic book. <laughs> it's one of my favorite comic books. Throw it on the but recommendation when, list. The losers. We'll, we'll schedule it for season two. You got yeah. it. Um, it's but it it came out around the same time as Scott Pilgrim, so it was in that group of Watchmen, Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. that I was reading at that time. Walking Dead, I was reading at that time. Um, so for me, like I just I love this movie. Now, so this much. is a point in time for me where I was not super into movies. Yeah. What was? 2010. 2010. When this came out? This, yeah, this yes. came out in 2010. Oh, and did you see it in 2010? No, the first time I saw it, Emily showed it to me probably roughly around three and a half years ago. Yeah, probably. I saw it in 2014. 2014, 2015. Wait, D, when did you live on Allen Street? Yeah, I'm going to say 2014, 15. Okay. We're in an apartment, in our apartment on a hungover morning throughout the movie. Yeah. So now we're, we're telling stories anyway. Let's get right into it. On uh, 
give it your personal score and how you feel about the movie. First time you saw what took you so long to see it? Uh, I just didn't know about it. I just yeah. had no idea what Scott Pilgrim was. And then I think like might have been Jesse or Matt or someone who originally told me. Probably Jesse. Yeah, it's right up his alley. Um, what do I give it though? Like. Nine two. Oh, hi. Went high. This movie's so good, and the I don't jokes think he went high. Are so visual. Yeah. Like it, like it uses the entire cinematic language to tell jokes, stories, character art, everything. It's dope, dude. There are so many things in this movie that, like, time and time again, you watch it. Like we watched it last night for yeah. this for this podcast. And another thing that I realized is towards the end of the movie. When he's talking, I don't know if it's before he dies and uses the one up or after that, but it's towards the end of the movie. He's talking in knives and he says like sorry or whatever, and then he says chow knives. Yeah, yo, so good. So <laughs> and that good. was the first time I was like, light bulb, holy yeah. shit, this movie is so fucking smart, dude. The other thing that I didn't realize until like the second or third rewatch was every single time he takes someone's coat or takes his own coat. Yeah. He just throws so, so, it. He's like, let me take, your, like, coat. Let, let me pause, take, let me take your coat. Here, let me take your coat. And the coat rack is like a, at least three feet behind. Yeah, him. there is one. It's like at shot. least three feet over his left shoulder. And he just, let me take your coat. Like folds it like he's going to put it all nice. And then just turns around and chucks it. So I only noticed that the first time when he does Every nice, single time he takes someone's coat. Take, I didn't realize he did take other people's coats. Yeah, mm-hmm. he takes Ramona's. Takes Ramona's coat. He yeah. takes his own coat off and does it yeah. at one point. Yeah, it's a... The first time he walks into his apartment, when you meet Kieran Culkin, he yeah. takes his own coat off and hawks it, <laughs> just like on the floor in front of his own coat rack. What do you rate this man? I think I already said I think it's like one of the perfect comic book movies. Uh, I'm I'm going like like nine four. <sighs> okay. Ooh, we're gonna have a conversation. <laughs> Someone's elite, someone's elitist art school going? fucking background is about to show its face. <laughs> Let's hear it. I would it. probably rate this in the high eights. I probably don't probably rate it. This is the rewind. Eights. The All first right. part of the rewind is we properly um, rate things. And I, then you'll get a chance to undo it later. I would have to sit at like an eight, seven, probably. Okay. State yeah. your case. Um, I mean, I, I don't think the perfect film exists so i'll never get anything in a straight 10 i think there are things that have come close to it i think this is a very well done movie i think it's a top comic book movie but i mean there's you know there's some pacing issues that you could argue like i mean now i'm nitpicking i am okay, can i know? can i make a scenario for you sure you're teaching at the gci a made-up school called the global cinema institute <laughs> Okay. And you are one of the top teachers there. Okay. And you're like, hey, everybody, you get an unlimited budget. Go out, fucking make a movie. And oh. you got young Edgar Wright there. And he comes back and you have just watched this fucking movie called Titanic. And then you watched this other film called fucking 2001 Space Odyssey. And you were like, what was that guy thinking? And then you watch Scott Pilgrim. And you have to give it a grade. And you're like, okay, this is the student's grade for this class. What are you giving that student? Oh, I probably give him like an A. Like that's the thing. Then what's with the eight point seven? Because because I'm not that I'm not. 
Okay, grading's different. May like, I interject really my, quick? Yeah, go for I'm gonna interject really quick and just hot button alert. Scott Pilgrim fucking buries both of those movies. 2001 A Space Odyssey is a disaster, but I, <laughs> fuck the Titanic. <laughs> like, I get it. Not? Great movie. Yo, da, da, that's da, our young first Leo. shirt. <laughs> what? That is a corruption to cinema. 2001. He's saying 2001 A Space Odyssey is a disaster. If I'm to sit, sit there, Scott Pilgrim takes the cake on both of them. If Continue. I'm to sit there and oh. grade them as a teacher, I probably would give all three of those eights. Yes, you if know, I was so, if I was a teacher at a regular film school, I'd be like, "Wow, you guys are going to do great things, it, not only for cinema but for humanity." But if you were like, "Okay, I'm I'm an alien, I'm from a different planet, and we're going to judge the top people here to tell a story using a camera." What are you giving them in this class? Uh, I I probably land Scott Pilgrim at like an A minus a B plus, and I'd probably land Titanic right. around the same. All right. I would probably land Space Odyssey. I you know what though, from nailing, I might connect to Space Odyssey a little bit. You'd be like, wow, that's just accurate. Yeah, that's the thing. So I might get that <laughs> higher score. You know, so. But no, I I just I I think it's a great movie. I. I just, it's probably one of my favorites, but I'm one of those people that's great partially, I guess, when it comes to my liking of content, not my judging of other people's content, right? If we, if we clarify parameters on these scoring, then I maybe have a different score. But if it's just my generalized score of my feelings on it, yeah. Here's my reason for the 9.4. This is a personal score. It's not like I'm not sitting back like I'm Roger Ebert and I'm giving it an IMDb rating and we're taking all things into context here. I'm scoring it for myself. And since I, the, my first viewing of Scott Pilgrim, there's no single film I've watched. I've watched and rewatched more in the last three years than Scott Pilgrim. And so that's why it gets a 9.4. That's fair. The next closest thing I've watched more in the last three years than Scott Pilgrim, probably I've watched half as many times. And it's probably one of the Harry Potter movies or one of the uh, Star Wars movies. Like I have a long list that I've watched more than Scott Pilgrim. Uh, I've Nick watched. Nora, I've watched instance, it. I've watched it so many times in the last three years. Yeah. It's got. Su- it's such a great. It's got great rewatchability. It's a good easy watch. Mm-hmm. It's a good casual watch. You could throw it on while you're doing shit. It's one of those things you don't even need to really look at. You can just hear it. You're right. Like, that should be my new enough, background movie. Oh, it's a great one. Dude, you'll it's catch great. Random things. Yeah. And you'll no, start laughing. Right now, my background movie is Boondock Saints. Oh, classic. Love Boondock. Boondock Saints. We'll get to that one eventually. Can I bring up something real quick that has nothing to do with this movie other than Chris Evans? Hold on. I have everything that I... <laughs> I have everything out in the... I think I've said everything I need to say in this first segment. I you, think so, yeah. All right. Go ahead and then we'll take a break. So D told me that Chris Evans uh, dis, is like disappointed about some of the movies he's done. And he wasn't. she wasn't sure if this was one of them, but she knows not another team movie was. Yeah, that I knew. I could see no, that. No, I'm pretty movie, sure. Chris, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but Chris Evans it, was okay with Scott Pilgrim. But but do you think that it's like if cancel culture wasn't a thing, he wouldn't feel that way? Do you think it's like an no. artistic thing, or do you think it's a ah, oh, I was in a pretty fucked up movie. I'm no, gonna just say it. Okay, I thought he was just covering his artistic. ass. No, no, I think it's artistic because I think I probably would have been the same if I got. That's a great movie. No, I know, but I I could see where Chris Evans is saying that because Chris Evans kind of became a very serious actor, even though maybe it's not quote-unquote serious roles, 
he's now a serious actor. He's an A-lister. They look at him. What's like, next for him? Because what, like he, I think the reason he wanted to retire Captain America is because he wants to move on from it, right? Mm-hmm. But when you hear Chris Evans, I hear Chris Evans. It's Captain America. It's fucking Johnny Storm. And then maybe Scott Pilgrim. Maybe that's why he wants. Maybe he wants to. Try so what's to... what do you like? What's he's, next in his career? He's gonna go be an action star. You think he's gonna do action? Absolutely. What about RDJ? RDJ, I don't know. I could. See, he could go anywhere. He could go political. He could go uh, satire. He could. I have a feeling. Made a huge he's mistake not... doing Zoolander, bro. Oh, not Zoolander. Doctor Doolittle. Doctor Doolittle. I haven't even seen it. Well, assume it's a thing. snoozer, dude. I, I have a feeling. <laughs> I assume. I assume it was a. Doctor RDJ Doolittle is a snooze fest. It was a I have a massive feeling that he Disney is not. didn't give him enough. No, I have a feeling he's not going oh. far away from the uh, MCU. I don't think that his career. Oh, correct. Will. Oh, Chris. No, RDJ. RDJ. Oh. No, RDJ, like, that's the thing. Yes, he was able to rebuild his career with Marvel, but was he really? Because I don't think so. Because the movies he's come out with that are not from Marvel are not that great. They do not stand up to other movies. Like, if you look at Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo knows how to pick a movie. He's in Mark Ruffalo fantastic wants movies. to be the Hulk forever. Yeah, I don't think you, I'm pretty sure he's pretty open about not wanting to do anything else. Yeah, no, he's done all that stuff too. No, I know, but I'm, I'm but saying going is, forward. Right, but he I don't think he wants to do leave Disney anytime soon. Right, but my point is, is that him, Scar Joe, uh Hemsworth, these are actors. Like they can get other roles in other types of films. They have range. RDJ has the range, he has the ability to do it, but does Hollywood will Hollywood allow him? Do they really fully forgive him? I don't know. He's fucking great though. He's fantastic. But look at his old. I'm talking about his older. I think anybody who would be trying to make a splash in in the comic book franchise world that we live in right now would absolutely sign the check for him. Depend, like, what's the role? That's the problem. What's the role? Like, because he's unless he stays in the MCU as some sort of post mortem Iron Man, you can't bring him. How are you going to bring him back into the MCU, MCU as anyone but Tony Stark? No, they they would only bring him back as Tony Stark. So that's limited. Yeah, yeah. but I, I my feeling about R. E. J. is like he's a fantastic actor, but he in a way I feel has one noted himself to being R. D. J. Every role he takes, he is R. D. J. He is a version of R. D. J. In the Doolittle movie, he was a version of it. In Sherlock Holmes, he was a version well, of it. Yeah, it's, he kind of does that same thing with like it's every like, every so often. You'll see, and this is specifically in the comic book art aspect of things, you'll see an actor get the role and then kind of shape shift and morph what the character is. And now to the aspect where in the comic books, Tony Stark is RDJ now. Well, Tony Stark also looked like him. No, he did, like, but like the whole he just took aspects of the character that made him made he made them part of the character for himself. Like the fact that he's always eating in those movies. Uh-huh. You know, that the reason that, okay. the reason he's always eating in the movies is because he always had snacks hidden on set and they would always like piss the producers off and like shit would get spilled. So he would just start fucking eating. Like in Iron Man 2 when he's uh-huh. fucking around with Jarvis and he's eating like snap peas or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it is. That's just RDJ having a snack on set. Just like he just made that. Around. He yeah. just made, and they were just like, all right, fuck it. That's part of Iron Man now. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. My point is, is that I think like the other actors that we see, obviously Scar Joe is a clear one because we see her in Jojo Rabbit and a bunch of other films that she has a massive range. But when we look at RDJ's movies post Iron Man one, 
they're literally just him being him. They're him with an Not accent. Tropic Thunder. Was Tropic Thunder post? I don't know. I don't know if that. I don't. Yeah, know. Iron Man's all seven or eight. All right, so maybe take away Tropic. But my point is, is that like if you look at Sherlock Holmes, like uh, to me, it was just it was Robert Downey Jr. with an English accent in old English clothing. Oh, like you know, it, I he's disagree. not. I disagree. Really? I disagree. I think he was playing brilliant genius man, which is also what Tony Stark kind of was, but not as erratic, um, not as messy of a space, you know. All right. Well, let's also be fair. Like, I don't think that either of those movies that he came out with since have been good either. He's not really even choosing quality. I, I don't mean yeah, to break I up mean, the I good banter like the here. Don't mean to break up the good banter here. I'm pulling it back in. (laughs) I'm I'm pulling it back in. Enough of that. We could have a whole segment, a whole series of shows about RDJ and the MCU. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. Are you ready to experience the dark and macabre? Look no further than Tiger Pack Productions. Tiger Pack Productions, independent film company by our friends Emily and Vincent. They started back in 2018. They've done a few short films, The Attack and Flora's Daughter. Award winning at dozens of festivals. This company's on the rise. They're just getting started. So why don't you guys give them a follow on their Instagram and Facebook at Tiger Pack Productions. And uh, go to their website, www.tigerpackproductions.com and see their entire catalog of products and what they offer. They're really cool people. Please check them out. All right, guys, and we're back. And we're going to break into the uh, technical aspects of how this movie was made, how it's presented, how it was written. This is not really my territory. This is Gage and Emily. I have a few things. presented. I'll get to why I'm saying how it's presented. Because what I mean by that is my little bit that I have on it is in the beginning when they're showing you everybody Mm -hmm. and the little blurbs pull up, like Steve Stills, 22 years old, the talent. Yeah. And they pull up to, um, I forgot one specific, oh, uh, Aubrey Plaza. Julie Powers, 22 years old, has issues. Yeah. Like those little blurbs that they yeah. brought up are the first things that I was like, oh, this is, I'm going to love this. Uh-huh. Like 45 seconds into the movie, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a great time watching this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's written incredibly. I already got into how it's, there's so many comic book panel shots in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think it's witty. The one-liners, you can go on forever. Mm-hmm. I think it's a just a fun, lighthearted movie in terms of the comedy. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to turn it over to you guys. All right. I'll go through real quick the um, everything. So the, it was directed by Edgar Wright. Um, the writer was uh, Michael Bacall and Edgar Wright. And the comic was by Brian Lee O'Malley, which was in a six-part novel, uh, graphic novel series. Cinematographer was Bill Pope. Editor was Jonathan Amos and Paul matchless i definitely butchered that last name um cast michael sarah as scott pilgrim kieran culkin as wallace wells anna kendrick as stacy pilgrim allison pill as kim pine audrey plaza as julie powers mary elizabeth uh, winstead as ramona flowers jason Schwartzman as gideon graves johnny simmons as young neil mark weber as uh stephen stills ellen Wan as knives chow um Nelson Frankel as Como or something like that. I forgot. Como. Como. That's right. That's what his name was. I saw it and I was like, what is his name? Como. Who's Como? Como knows at 25 years old. Knows everyone. Oh, knows yeah, everyone. He's yeah, he's great. Yeah, um, yeah that's Ramona Flowers. Sh- uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, dude, so this is what I actually Wait, meant to on. bring up before. Let Go ahead. Yeah. Chris Evans as Lucas Lee. Brie Larson as Envy Adams. Mae Whitman as Rocky, uh, Roxy Richard. And uh, Brandon Ruth as Todd Ingram. There we go. 
when he goes, hey, do you know this girl and holds up this this sketch? Yeah. That's like the what the drawings look like in the comic book. That's Ramona in the well, comic book. Well, that's oh. not actually Ramona in the comic book. So what I did, because I was researching it, and I thought some of them looked a little off. But a lot of them are straight from the comic book. But what they did, that was an actual screw drawing by Michael Sarah. Oh, really? Of Ramona Flowers, yeah. But they actually had an artist come in and mimic uh, the drawing. So some of them are just uh, another artist coming in and mm-hmm. mimicking it, and the um, Brian O'Malley was like fantastic. He mm-hmm. was he was so into the artist, he was like mimic my style really well and whatever. So he was okay with it. But um, by the way, shout out Como as a uh, Robbie in New yeah. Girl. Great character in New Girl, if you've ever seen that. A lot of these... Como, he brings fire in New Girl. He's but so let's, good. We'll move it on. Uh, a lot of these actors uh, went on to be decent names mm-hmm. um i mean michael sarah at the time was a decent name but uh killian kieran um kieran Culkin. um he Shout was out succession. yeah he was known at that time but i feel like within the last couple of years he's well yeah because he's one of the Culkin kids he did work as a kid with his brother i just yeah. not as well known as macaulay Culkin because he wasn't in home alone right and now we're starting to see rory Culkin come up more too uh he's starting to Kind of start shining. I love Kieran Culkin not only in this movie but also in uh, Succession. He's just amazing. He's, he's such a great. He knows he he plays like a pissant. He's such a great little dick. Yeah, <laughs> he's amazing. He's yeah. very good. He's, he's great in Succession. He's great at giving characters a hard time. Yeah. I think he's, he's just great at giving people a hard time, like humans, dude. I think Kieran. Oh, Culkin, I'm sure in real life, <laughs> I'm sure he's got that in him. Dude, the scene in Succession when he's just standing on the 27th floor. Looking out the window, beating oh, off. Yeah, just jerk it off. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Um, the runtime was 112 minutes. It's rated PG-13. The release date was August 13, 2010. Um, any guess on the budget? $65 million. $40 million. $60 million. Ooh. $60 million. Um, box office, the... U.S. opening was a little over ten million, which actually is not too bad. Okay. And the worldwide gross was hundred and twelve. I was gonna say hundred and twenty. Way less. Eighty-two. Ooh. Forty-seven million. Yeah, now that forty, it was a little more than forty-seven million. Damn. Wild. So. Yeah. Oh, they they, oh, they the good old loss. the good old commercial loss. failure called success. Listen, Netflix is paying them the difference, right? <laughs> It's oh, they've made, their money. They've, made their money. they've made their money on merch and everything. Like they've made their money back. This this is a cult classic. I mean, amongst you really, my friends, you talk about a murderer's row of people who are just ready to hit their stride. I mean, mm-hmm. now granted, Sarah, that's post super bad. Mm-hmm. Chris Evans is post Fantastic Four, but that was a flop. Definitely post Fantastic Four. Yeah, Chris Evans was like I would argue He's probably one, one of the one names in this. The one like people knew. Anna Kendrick. Like, yeah. No, was mm-hmm. unheard of at the time. Aubrey Plaza, not on Parks and Rec yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, might have been on Parks and Rec. Might have been just on Parks and Rec. Yeah, because when did Guardians come out? Guardians came out like 2012. Okay, yeah. and they had already done like, I think it's season four, Chris Pratt dropped weight to that. So that would have meant that she started around the same time. Yeah, it was probably around the same. Maybe it was a season or two in when this came out. Um. She wasn't. No, she was never on Arrested Development. Um, Everyone in the band, not much. Well, no, that's not true. Um, well, Young Neil was in that movie where. He's in Twenty One Jump Street. 
Young Neil. Young Neil is in 21 Jump Street. He takes the whatever it is in that one. Yeah. Wi Fi is the second one. I forget what it's called in the first one, but he takes that. Um, he also actually was the in the original Whiplash when um, I can't think of the, the original Whiplash. Yes, you know how he did where he made a short version of it. Oh with yeah, yeah. Simmons. Yeah. He played Miles uh, Teller's role. Oh no shit. Yeah. And then when it, they picked it off for the full length one, they recast that and he. They're like Miles Teller's. Yeah, yeah, but J.K. Simmons was in both versions of it. Uh huh. Um, but you know he's um, I've seen him in a lot. He's a lot of television and I think he does stage work too. So. Um, oh, and then also. Brandon Ruth, shout out. Um, CWDC, Television okay. Universe. Plays the Jason ad. Schwartzman was a pretty big name. He was a big name. Yeah, he had already done Maria Tonight at that time. And a bunch yeah, of he's just got yeah, a face, that times. guy. Best times, yeah. He just got a face that you're like, ah, I know this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, you haven't really heard of her yet. Now yeah, she's Huntress. Brie Larson. You know, Brie Larson did not really know her yet. Um, no, when did she? She came up with Room, right? Well, yeah, 21 Drum Street, that was a big one. For Brie? Mm-hmm. Well, there was... Oh, so when they did Room, she wasn't a big name, but then something came out before Room came out. It was like they shot Room, and then there was a big pause, and then she was in fucking something that shot her up to start it. Was it 21, short, short-term 12? I don't it? know, but 21 Jump Street was the one where everyone noticed When did Anna uh, Kendrick... That one I remember. When did Anna Kendrick do Cinderella or whatever the fuck she did? Oh, Into the Woods, that was after Pitch Perfect. That was after Pitch Perfect. Mm-hmm. So what was Pitch Perfect her big home run? Yeah. In yeah. 2012. Yes. Pitch Perfect was her big one. Beautiful. Voice. Which actually Super probably talented. was right around Beautiful. 21 Drop Street too. Hmm. Um, that was probably that was they both all those were right after these films. So they either probably filmed them before this or were in talks or mm-hmm. you know so like they were becoming massive stars by this point of this movie. So I mean you could argue Edgar Wright found them a little bit. Catalyst. Or, you know, he was a bit of a catalyst in them. He also is very close with a lot of directors. Um, Tarantino and um, Kevin Smith and a bunch of other guys. So, I mean, mm. you could argue, too, that... Oh, we could do you a know, whole... Made a recommendation? Yeah, easily. I mean, he's he's a known guy in the industry. Um, location. It's probably easy. Canada. Toronto. Toronto, yeah. Um, camera? Uh, let's go with, damn, I can't, I have no point of reference for any of his movies. It's a D70. fucking Alexa. It's digital. Um, it was an Reflex 435ES, a Panavision Primo, and a Phantom. Huh. I thought I left when I saw the Phantom. I was like, oh, Phantom. I haven't heard about a Phantom in a while. (laughs) 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 That was like college. (laughs) Um, awards, none worth noting. And uh, some quick facts was Michael Sarah knew how to play the bass before starting this. Um, he actually had to learn how to dumb down his playing to not outshine his co-stars in playing. Uh, all the other co-stars had to learn from scratch how to play, and they spent several weeks playing together to actually look like a band. Um, Beck wrote most of the music for the Sex Bombs. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. Oh, that Fuck yeah, sense. Beck. Yeah, they performed them. Like, Brie Larson performed the Metric Black Sheep song. They all performed the songs. They weren't necessarily used in the movies, or they were kind of mixed wait, vocals. Wait, who, oh who, who actually made Black Sheep? Metric. Okay, so they performed the song, and then the track's just over. Right? So, yeah, so the movie version is not Brie Larson. But yeah. it doesn't truly sound like the real recorded Metric version. So... 
I don't know if they've crossed the two Brie Larson's Did a little with, High School Musical type yeah, of Yeah, I have a feeling they did. I haven't didn't see any. What? High oh, School yeah, Musical Zac is Zac Efron mixed with somebody else singing. What? They yeah. said. They, How do you. They just merged the voice? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. him singing and another kid singing. That they, sounds expensive. It gives it a hardier yeah, The other kid had a huge lawsuit with Disney over not getting paid the same as mm-hmm. Zac Efron. The f- why the fuck would you? What do you? Why would he get paid the same? I'm confused. Because yeah, he could have acted too. They just chose Efron over him, but they didn't like Efron's voice, right? They yeah, didn't like Efron's voice, but they didn't like his acting. They felt wasn't... they felt Efron's voice wasn't like hearty enough. Yeah. Like it didn't have enough like... But that's the thing. In the next ones, he ha- he sang every time. But um, yeah. Is uh, that the stupid video where they're yeah. running? Where he's yeah, yes. like running through the golf course. I yeah. love that one. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. to avoid the R rating, they curse out the bleep. Uh, they bleeped out the cursing. Yeah. Um, the are you eight- doing that with your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> that was actually that it. one was written in the one where Brie Larson turns around and says, "Shut the fuck up, Julie." Yeah. That one was actually bleeped. Which out. is so smart. Well, they couldn't, they only were allowed one, and the one that they chose was you cocky cuck. Oh, that yeah. That was yeah. the one curse that but they But I think, allowed, I think he, he means that uh, the, uh, it was so smart to just improv the. No, it was so smart to have Brie Larson do the mouth, like, yeah. edit thing back yeah, to yeah. Julie. Because yeah, he, like, while that Because he asked Julie, how are you doing that thing with your mouth? Just don't fucking worry about how I'm doing it. Yeah. And then fucking she, I just, it's a good little tiny way for yeah, things nice to come way full to circle. Wrap it up. Which was totally probably because Julie's like Julie's <laughs> like the head fucking bitch around town, mm-hmm. but then around Envy, she's just a, like another fucking another whipping bitch. Groupie. Yeah, yeah. Um, Edgar Wright wrote to Nintendo to get the Legends of Zelda the sound bites. Um, he wrote to them that it was the nursery rhyme of this generation, and Nintendo gave them permission, um, so, which I thought was awesome. Um, when you see the moon, it has a hole in it. In every shot, the moon is full. Mm-hmm. Oh, moon. because it, he Todd punched, punched the hole. And in the comic book, it's actually got two holes because he punches another hole for Envy. And oh. that was like a thing within the series. But that's, you know, obviously don't see that in the movie. Um, it took 33 takes for Michael Sarah to get the box in the trash bin. And um, yeah. they said that they wanted authenticity. And everyone was like, could just do this digitally. And he's like, nope, we're doing it this way. Yeah. Um, Way to do what? He, remember when he gets the package for Ramona from Amazon, he just tosses it and lands right in the bin? Mm-hmm. They're trying to get that like in one take, and it took 33 takes. They have a blooper reel of it, of him just missing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, amazing. They also have him, uh, Wallace coming in trying to toss the keys and hit him in the back <laughs> of the head. That took a bunch. Um, the, uh, the Edgar Wright said that this the style of the movie was a musical, but with the fight scenes being musical numbers. And that they're breaking out into fight instead of breaking out into song. And that was kind of how he stylized it. Uh, That's incredible. Yeah. Mm. Which I thought when I read that note, I was like, that makes so much sense. Because once I feel like that's said, it's like you could clearly see how that happens. Mm-hmm. Because even with the um, with Matthew Patel and he starts singing and Anna Kendrick's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's a musical now? Yeah. Like, yeah. what is happening? But um, Oh, that is interesting. Because it's not just the fight sequence. It's also exposition. It's mm-hmm. background of story. Mm-hmm. It tells you where the characters' heads are at while they're fighting. So that's in tune of a musical more so than a fight sequence. Yeah. And it's in a it's done in a way that a musical would happen where it kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It's done in the way where it just comes and goes the fight scene or the musical number and then everyone carries on like it never happened. Yeah, it's not even talked about. Oh, yeah. Really. Um, 
Like the second time, and there's always a big the, crescendo in the, the second sound of coins sitting on the floor. Yeah. The second time when they get to Lucas Lee and <laughs> Kieran Culkin goes, Scott, Evil X, fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, He's amazing. Oh no, it's that one guy. <laughs> so the eight bit design that was in the beginning of the movie was actually the first draft. Um, when they put it in previews, it got such a huge reaction that they didn't. The Universal, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was designed by his brother, uh, Oscar Wright, and uh, Evan Chris Evans' stunt doubles that he fights are actually his stunt doubles. Those were really Chris Evans' stunt doubles. All of them? Well, I don't know if it was all of them for this movie. It was um, oh, just throughout his no, career. No, throughout his career, like oh, who okay. he works with. Yeah, exes um, <laughs> are seen all over. If you pay attention, like in the way the shadows move, in the way that the two uh, Japanese. Uh, DJs cross their arms, you see X's, and it's to symbolize the seven uh, X's. It also, there's numbers, like when um, Chris Evans is walking past the car, there's two, because he's the second X that they're facing. Yeah, yeah Todd, has, oh, the Todd three has three on his shirt. Todd has three on his yeah. shirt. There's all things like that that they did, um, which are really smart. Ramona's hair actually corresponds with the Zelda goddesses. Um, oh. Pink, green, and blue. Yeah, I forget exactly all their names right now. I don't actually remember any of their names, but... That is something that was really... They really pulled a lot of Nintendo things That's into this. That's interesting. Yeah, a lot of things like that. Because um, Ryan O'Malley was a huge comic book and, and gaming guy, too, as as was Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, of course, like I said, Beck did most of the music. All the drummers are girls. And every single band, the drummer is a girl. Uh, and it, like I said, it's based on all six of the graphic novels. But mm-hmm. that's, that's the generalized notes that I found in researching it. Um, they all seem to have a fun time, it says on set and stuff like that. Like, no real, like, massive dramas or anything that I came up with, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. No casting what-ifs? I honestly, The casting what-if is a fun one that we need to make a regular segment. I don't really... I wouldn't recast this. I think no, 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 no. Not, not if you would recast it. Like, what if like, this person was there? Oh, there was a lot. Person? Oh, yeah, so like, many like, people. Like, I, now, I'm not saying that this is true. Like, just... Before Michael Sarah got the role, they interviewed Jesse uh, Eisenberg. Eisenberg. Yeah, like something like that. Like they did actually. Um, Twilight. Um, Edward Cullen. I can't think of his name right now. Pattinson. Yeah, Rob Pattinson. He For Michael Sarah's role. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's a ah. casting what if. Yeah, there was Fucking a lot. <laughs> That's what I say about that. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of casting what ifs for every role. Every single role had a casting like that. There were so many names. That we'll they workshop had. that. We'll workshop the segment in. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll see if I can. I'll no, not for not for this one. I'm Jason Statham as Lucas Lee. No way. No <laughs> Why way. not? So it has to be Chris Evans. It has to be. <laughs> Why so not? Why not? We Jason move, Statham. We're moving into award our awards now. Well, we don't, did you have anything to talk about technical with the writing or anything like that? Dude, so the writing I love because yeah, it it's witty in one way where they give like clever one liners, but then there's also like okay. Our main character had a dream. He's going to go in and see if this is a real person. We're not going to sit down for a 15 or 20 minute conversation as a scene just to like really bring us into letting us know like, oh, that character's at this party. We're going to just take care of that in five quick lines of, hey, oh, show on screen. This guy knows everyone. Hey, do you know this girl? Yeah, she's here. Lady, Lady dudes. Fucking done. Well, that whole, I actually meant to make a mental note to bring this up. I love that whole segment that you were just talking about when mm-hmm. we were like, we're not going to take the whole 20 minutes or whatever. From the time he gets the package to mm-hmm. them getting to the party, 
is the jump cuts that they they do. Oh, like, oh man, this sucks. Yeah, he's just daydreaming sucks. the whole time, and it, yeah. yeah, it cuts to Scott. You, you played one note that whole time. Yeah, yeah. And then it, where are we going to that party? Oh, sucks, sucks. And then that, then and there, they're there. Like that whole thing is like uh, to symbolize him being cl- like clouded, mm-hmm. like scatterbrained, and mm-hmm. not paying attention. I love that whole segment, the whole way we get to the party. The transition is fantastic. Yeah, that whole scene the where the comic tra- book is a bit like that too, though. It does jump like that. Yeah. Not not as drastically as the movie, but it it that's where that adaptation truly I feel comes in. Mm-hmm. With not just the dialogue, but also the way that they handle moving to scenes and stuff like yeah. that. Where it is kind of like jumps like that. And it's it I don't really I can't even think of another comic book that really is, does a lot like that. Oh, I can't I can't head. really speak on comic books at all. Can you think of one off the top of your head that does a lot? That'll just jump from panel to panel, like scenes like that. Not unless you're talking about like the Flashpoint series. Any of the Flashpoint paradoxes will do stuff like that, but that's a time traveling story. Yeah, it's arc. a different type of thing. So it's completely, completely different. Erroneous. <laughs> Erroneous <laughs> on all counts. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. the, the other, the other that. Oh my god! When we do wedding crashes, that, that might we might break the rule on that. going over the length of. You've never seen all of wedding crashes. No. Dude, talk about one-liner fireballs. Yeah. Well, don't just like the last half, I think. But you know what's funny? Because I was laughing. Talk when... about another who's who lineup of people that blew right after. Yeah, definitely. And some that kind of fell some off. Some that kind of fell off. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was laughing, though, because when I was watching, Envy turns around. I think she says it's to Todd, where she's like, you're incourageable. And I was like, we oh, can't no, escape no, that. Yeah. We cannot escape yeah. that. I don't know the meaning of the word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so right, Todd, neither do I. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think very well done i think the the shots are great i think the way well when he goes it. in the dream sequence and he feels like really small and alone and it just like letterboxes down to the super cinemascope and you're just like how like what a way to just show like anxiety and like what was it called scared of small spaces uh, claustrophobia yeah, yeah. yeah. what okay. and then ramona comes by and it opens back up again and there's so many little things about that. So there used to be this guy on YouTube who had a page called Every Frame of Painting. And my man, if you could come back and start making these again, that would be phenomenal. Like, they're seriously the Talk same. your talk. And so what he happened? had... That's okay. Just keep talking. Your phone just glitched. It's okay. He had one episode specifically on the comedy styles of Edgar Wright. And this made me look at comedies totally differently. So I can't watch a normal one now like uh, the other guys and like really get into it because it those they're like most comedies now are like giant SNL skits of just like characters talking to each other and saying funny lines. And that's all cool and gravy and it works a lot of the time. Definitely works commercially. But to take someone like Edgar Wright who uses props transitions lighting sounds camera work and incorporate that into comedy is fucking insane like Shaun of the dead when they're whacking the dude in the fucking with a pool sticks in the pub yeah. <laughs> to the queen Fuck song yeah, dude. like that's just the level of physical comedy in this too 
Um, it's like, oh, it's a lot of slaps there. A lot. I mean, Scott jumping through the window when knives comes and he jumps out oh, yeah. the window. Oh, he just left. Oh, yeah, and he pushes in for his eggs. Yeah, just missed him. Yeah. He's or even here. when, even when they're when he wakes up in the bed when he when he first sees Ramona in his dream and he wakes up. And yeah. He, he, oh, what is it, Scott? What is it, other Scott? <laughs> <laughs> Was it envy? We don't say the e word here. <laughs> that comes right after. Oh, yeah. That comes right after the sister says, "Was it she who must not be named?" Yeah, it's <laughs> great. Well, um, when Jimmy comes out of the bathroom, the blonde head that he stole from Anna Kendrick, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like double standard. <laughs> you got a problem with it? Take it up with Liberace's ghost. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the best lines, honestly. It's like I didn't write the gay handbook. You got a problem with it? Take it up with Liberace's ghost. <laughs> Or when they're kissing, and she's like, oh, I was like, bye to your gay friends with me. She's like, my gay friends. And yeah. she's like, well, it's again. <laughs> when he first sits down, he's like, hey, Jimmy, do these guys suck or rock? I don't know. They haven't started yet. <laughs> and you passed. There we go. There's a lot of classic lines like that, too, where um, they're walking in and uh, Robbie from, I forget what his name Cuomo. is. Cuomo. Uh, he's like, oh, the, the comic book's better than the movie. They do that a couple times. Of, like, oh, Every time you mm. see Cuomo, he says something like that. Well, even young Neil says it tonight, where she was like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Right after they watched The Clash of Demon Head, he's like, oh, if you thought that was amazing, you should see them live. They're yeah. live. And it's like, you just watched them live. And it's these little, like, Oh, they're talking digs. to the viewer. It's that. But it's also these little digs at what the music industry has become yeah. and stuff that it's not just about. Like, when you, about, when like, you see yeah. Como, yeah, when you see end. Como towards the end of the movie, I think it's the second time when he comes around after he gets the one up. When he almost every time almost talking to someone off screen, like uh, not off screen, but you know, like off mm-hmm. focus, it's something like that. Like well, I forgot exactly what he said, but when he walks in, almost says something like, uh, "Yeah, the 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 first book so much better than the second one, or something like that, or the first album so much better than the second one." So he says something like that. It's, I think it's the first album so much better than the first album. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's what he says. The first album is so much better than their first album. Is that just like a poke at pretentious people in big cities? That's exactly what it is. It's a a poke at that pretentious music industry, like... Cuckiness. Yeah, yeah, they're being cocks. (laughs) They're making fun of cocks. That's exactly what it is. Hipsters. Yep, pretty much. Man. I guess that's our, there are awards, right? So... Oh, and the editing time is fucking phenomenal. Whoever edited this, shout out to you. The coloration's good too. The color's dope. The color's yeah. good. Um, but all right, let's go heat check. Heat check. All right. Um, <laughs> nominees are any of the X's. Okay. I see. Here's what I want to argue with: Is Julie Powers eligible? Because I argue yes, and I argue she's. Oh, we a, should just ask who's the best X. Is Julie Powers eligible? Because when you think about it, she's in the beginning. No, I think she's in too much. You think? I, I think she's right on if the line. He, if, she's only in like five scenes. I think the only people that you could really consider besides maybe Robbie from Girls, <laughs> I'm going to keep calling Robbie, is the exes. Because everyone else, even um, Roxy. Well, I think <laughs> milk and eggs, bitch. That's a pretty. Milk and eggs, bitch. That's pretty nominal. Gelato's not vegan. <laughs> Brandon, Ruth, Brandon Ruth is definitely up. I think it's between Brandon Ruth and uh, Chris Evans. Who's Brandon Ruth? Brandon Ruth is the, the V is Todd, yeah. Todd. Oh. The, it's one of them. And I think because they're like, you talk about the one-liners. The one that I will always get a cheap laugh out of every time I watch this movie is you're going to hear two clicks. The first one is me hanging up. The second 
is me pulling the trigger. <laughs> with the gun. With the yeah. butt of the gun. And then on top of that, you got, he's good, right? Sometimes I even let him do the wide shots when I want to get blazed in the winnie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's great. The other great one he has too. I just the- sold myself on Yo, Chris Evans. I will actually, like, if somebody says something that's kind of funny and is low key, I'll just be like, huh, that's actually hilarious. <laughs> like I say that often enough. <laughs> <laughs> the other great one he has too is the only thing keeping me and her apart is two minutes gonna take me to kick your ass. Yeah. Or then after after he punches him and throws him, he goes, he seems nice. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Chris Evans for the heat check. I think he is so good from the minute you. I see mean, him. but so like I, I think Chris Evans too. But so like, P- Matthew Patel is an amazing act too. You didn't read my email. I skimmed it. You will pay for your insolence. So, you will pay for your insolence yeah. is amazing. <laughs> His sequence, I think, is the most corny part of the film. I could do without that whole number. With the, the, if you that's want the Bollywood. to. That, I could do without that. <laughs> I could do without the goth chicks. I yeah, could do without it. That's the and whole his mystical powers, dude. Yeah. That they were trying to bring in. Um, but that actually is in the cocktail. So we got two for Chris oh, Evans. Sure. Who are you I'm picking? Saying, I'm picking either Chris Evans or Milk and Egg, bitch. The vegan just, cop, dude, he nailed that line. Milk and eggs, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> that honestly, like you. Milk and eggs, bitch. Fair. That's fair. Although that's he had the editing to help him out. Wow. <laughs> vegan police. All right, I'm going with Chris Evans. All right, Chris Evans, he check. He's the winner of Scott Pilgrim. I wonder how many Chris Evans may be in. Chris Evans does a lot. He's in a lot of films, like small roles and stuff like that that mm-hmm. are obscure that you would never you you'd for, you honestly forget mm-hmm. that he's in them. So I'm curious. Should we do the old the the Vincent Hanna? What is that? The overacting. What's that? It's the overacting award. Oh. Who would you give that to? Do I think Brie Larson? No, I wouldn't. Yeah, but I mean, no. No, not no. Matthew no. Patel. I think it would be Matthew Patel too. Yeah, it could be him. The reason he's I, really going for it. The that reason guy. I don't <laughs> say Brie Larson is because it's kind I of exactly what she's supposed to be. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly who she's supposed to be because uh, Natalie was normal. She was this normal girl that's got dated, and then she became NV because her initials are Natalie Veronica. Never picked NV. that up. That, I, that, was years com- old. that was a comic book thing. I don't know if that was actually No, you never movies. hear that in the movie. Yeah, I don't think you do. Because but... this is the first time I'm hearing that. Yeah, her name is Natalie Veronica. Um, uh, N.V. Adams. Uh, Natalie Veronica Adams is her full name. Mm-hmm. So N.V. is how she got N.V. Adams. Gotcha. Um, but that, the when she, she really wanted to be part of this movie, Brie Larson, and she said that she watched the awards for the Porn, like the porn star awards mm-hmm. and saw how the girls acted mm-hmm. and talked and that's how she did it because that's how envy Adams was speech supposed to be that's like pin type of yeah. you know okay. marilyn monroe airy yeah i'm too hot voice. for anybody in this room yeah like oh you know like that yeah. whole when she does that whole like oh i gotta go you know like that whole, <laughs> 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 it's like it's so spot on specific and to have to do that for an entire like Role. Uh-huh. <laughs> Kudos to her, man. That's hard. Yeah. It's really hard to do that. Um, I don't think she's overacting. I would probably say Matthew You say with that's that. fair. You say with Brie Larson on this one. I don't. I think Matthew Patel. Okay, I'm glad we could sway you on that. Sway you with your break. Um, mostly swayable. Polarizing. <laughs> What's polarizing? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, favorite scene or least favorite scene? Dude, ah. the, the party's great. When Wallace comes home drunk, that's the that's my favorite scene. That's my fucking favorite scene. Yeah, guess who's drunk? You are. That's right. Falls on the bed. Tell me you think. Tell me you're not think. Wait, you got to break up with your fake high school girlfriend. I don't know. That gossipy bitch. Yeah. Where'd you hear that from? Wallace, he's not even conscious. Wallace, how do you do that? <laughs> um, I think any scene with uh, Karen Culkin is probably one of the tops. I think the one of the tops is when... When is... Oh God, I think it might... I don't even know. They're so good. There's the first fight scene. scene That's what like I... Like the battle, the first battle of the band scene too. Because that has some great jokes. The fuck... The, they're like, I'm so the sad. Yeah. <laughs> the build up to stealing. Yeah. Hey, like, buddy, it's not a race. Because <laughs> <laughs> the guys back won't shut up. Sweet. <laughs> that one, I think it's cold. We hate you and we hope you die. I love this one. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that scene, or I would actually think the dueling with the um, the Japanese brothers. When the dragon comes out, the dragons like that, versus that was really cool. Gideon. But I wish the I wish they were playing an actual song, like I wish the brothers were doing something other than just playing like the opening to the Who song on the fucking like that's all they were doing. They hit one key and then just yeah, and then I guess the dragon comes out. Meanwhile, fucking Beck is playing his heart out on the other <laughs> stage, summoning King Kong, playing Launchpad McQuack, fucking. That's not the name of the song. Yeah, but did they say that in the movie? He says, this one's called Launchpad McQuack. And then Steven goes, that's not the name of the song. Yeah, one, we are sex babam. <laughs> one, two, three, four. I no, that's at, that's at the rehearsal when the girlfriend, when Knives first shows up. So there never was a true official name for that. In the, in the, um, the what's it called? The soundtrack, it's called We Are Sex Bomb. But that was the whole joke behind that because that is a real like cult name for that song. Launchpad McQuack? Yes. That is the name of that song unofficially. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's right after Knives comes in. He goes, this one's called Launchpad McQuack. And Steven still goes, that's not what it's called. Before he gets the sentence out, Kim counts him off. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what my favorite scene is, honestly. Hmm. I really do love anything with Jason Schwartzman, though. I Uh think he's fantastic as Gideon. I think he's, I think his fight scene. Hmm. Actually, you know what? No, I changed my mind. The best one for me is the final fight scene when they pull off the freaking katana. It's great. And they start got her in the power of self-respect. <laughs> you better hope that TV isn't broken or it's coming out of well, your paycheck. You know what? Who the fuck what is up with you guys? And being like, oh, you better not break that thing. And not for nothing, <laughs> my paycheck better not get hurt. is entirely in this room. With half of the So stuff. we're looking for sponsors. <laughs> I just gave I, myself concussion. Best so, scene, most quotable. Hold on, I didn't finish. No, no, no. Fuck you. Fuck you, bro. I didn't finish. The whole tea scene. Tea scene? The tea scene. Where she's like, what kind of tea you got? So we got chamomile. Oh, that's a good scene. She's like, we got chamomile, sleepy time, fuck Bushwick, da da da, this and that. He's like, are you making some of those up? (laughs) And then the whole, we cannot have tea where you're just going to get your blanket. And then she just goes, I changed my mind. He's like, about what? I also, about sex good night is that the same scene oh no that's when she comes over with the garlic bread yeah. bread makes you fat yeah <laughs> I could eat it for every meal I could just not stop eating it yeah, I'm gonna I get fat 
Why is that? Bread makes you fat. <laughs> Bread makes you fat? Um, all right, so most quotable. She has the capacity to geek. She geeks. She has the capacity to geek. He punched the highlighter out of her hair. Punch the highlights out of his out of her hair is is definitely up there along with I'm fucking sticking with milk and eggs, bitch. I would <laughs> that's a great one. I I don't it's hard. <laughs> I didn't even know gelatos were weren't vegan before that. Yep. Did you know that? I can't I'm lactose and top. Yes, yes you, I knew. Ah. Uh, you knew that? Yeah, I knew gelato wasn't vegan. Yes. You're not even Italian. And? That doesn't mean I'm an idiot. I guess Italians wouldn't understand what's vegan. We have too much cheese. I'm dumb, not stupid. Charcuterie boards. Um, yeah. I, you know, even when you guys make like, uh, you know, oh, I'm not going to put any cheese on top because I know you lactose yeah. and top. You still put so much cheese in that sauce. And then it's just like, here's some lasagna with, with cheesy sauce and everything. Yeah. yeah. That's my mom does it too. She goes, oh, I, I didn't put any cheese on top. Yeah. How much Parmesan did you put in the sauce? Oh, <laughs> Um, I, think uh, I like Scott. Scott is acutely aware that his last haircut was exactly 431 days ago, probably three hours before his big breakup with Envy. <laughs> <laughs> He's been cutting his own hair ever since. Uh, I think another great one, too, is you're pretentious. This club sucks. Let's do oh, this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my <laughs> that is my favorite part of the noise. You're pretentious. You're You're pretentious. This club sucks. I have beef. Let's do this. (laughs) Scott, stop. You really going to fight me over her? He goes, no. I'm going to fight you for me. (laughs) Scott earned the power of self-respect. I think another great one, too, is your BF's BF's about to get F to the the B. B. (laughs) Touch the back of her knee. What do you mean? I don't know. When we were making out, I would just, okay. She comes and blows up. Yeah, she comes and blows up. Death by cum. Yeah, yeah. she goes, you'll never be able to make her feel like this. Yeah, and then her moans. <laughs> Coins. Just, uh-huh. In the echo, you just hear the moans uh-huh. going off. He called... Wait. I feel like there was some, like, cancelable things in this. The Chinese reference, I don't know. Oh, yeah, Knife Chow. She's Chinese. Yeah. Every time, he's like, oh. This is my girlfriend, Knives. She's, She's Chinese. Chinese. <laughs> You're dating school a Chinese schoolgirl? <laughs> oh, does she wear the dress? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the uniform and everything? Yeah. You're gross. What's up? Yeah. Cool. You guys like All right. All right, brother. <laughs> um... I think another great one is wow, um, Zelda Tetris. Oh yeah, what, what do you, you what do you play, uh, Zelda Tetris? It's kind of a vague question. Kind of a big Young question. Neil is throwing fireballs every time he fucking speaks. His, I'm a big fan of Young Neil. His responses uh-huh. to Scott too are great too. Like when uh when Scott's like, we're never gonna play for you, and also he just pops up with the yeah, with the pops up with the and yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, he's like, oh look at that, <laughs> <laughs> sign, 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 excellent. <laughs> Um, what about rehearsal? Neil knows my part. Yeah, or he's in the back and he's just doing the lights. Mm. <laughs> when he no, he's singing and he doesn't know the words. Yeah, but there's another scene when they're... No, I know. He's doing the lights. Yeah. But I'm saying when he's back there singing and he doesn't know the words and he's like... <laughs> Yo, why is Knives... Okay, so why does she become... She becomes an evil ex for Scott. Mm-hmm. But only because Scott gets hurt. 
You broke the heart that broke mine. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. She is So she's itself- a good-hearted evil ex. She she really never became an evil ex to per, per se. She kind of just became an envious like little girl and mm-hmm. it was kind of like that like classic Oh, she could go down the wrong path. Yeah, but she like has a greater feeling for the people around her. So when Scott gets hurt, that's when she steps up to fight um, Ramona because yeah. you hurt someone that I care about. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's like, is she really an evil ex or is she just hugely has a massive heart? She's had such an advantage yeah. over me. I didn't even know good music existed until like two months ago. Who <laughs> yeah. only likes her because she's old. She's probably like 25. <laughs> it looks so... Good. She keeps calling oh, her okay. fat the whole to, time. Yeah, that, fat ass. Okay, <laughs> that is my most polarizing scene. I hate that scene so much. Why? Because as a colorist, oh the worst God. thing you could do is a box dye Get off. blue. I knew, I knew watching this that you were going to say that. Get off your high horse. Oh my God, it kills me Just The idea is that it's a 17-year-old girl making a whimsical decision and that's why against her probably strict Chinese parents' will. And wills. that's why I didn't say anything Are about you even allowed to date outside of your race? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's why I didn't say anything about it until it got brought up and now it's brought up and now I brought it up. And Wait, I- because of the color? The box dye. Box dye. That's the worst thing you could do to your hair. Oh, like the like it damages the hair. Yeah, massively. Uh, yeah, but it's okay because it gets punched out of her hair and yeah, it's back to normal. Like nothing ever floor. happens. It's like throwing up some drugs. Yeah. You just see it yeah. on the Good. floor, like a little bit of blue food coloring. It's true. It's true. They punched I'm- the highlight out of her hair. <laughs> so good. Um, young Neil, else? you are now Neil. <laughs> <laughs> anything else before we close out? I'm trying to think if there's a... Uh, no, I, could, I mean, oh, I could just I go through line. each... The, the problem with this is I could go each through each scene and pick out things that I'm like, that was fucking genius. Like, from a s- technical and storytelling point of view. The apartment ownership diagram. Yeah, just like Wallace, 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 Wallace. I think another great line that I just thought of was, you are once a vegan, now you will. Vegan. Vegan? You just headbutted my boyfriend so hard he exploded. Uh, well, Scott Pilgrim will probably remain a classic. In What's your rating? I'll bump it up to a 9.0 for you. All right. 9.4. Great film. Big fan. 9.3. Fuck it. Got an extra one. Fuck Here yeah. Here we go. All right. Well, that's it for Scott Pilgrim versus the Worlds. And, and we will versus. see you next time. I would like to tell you what we're going to be doing next week, but we don't know what the schedule is going to be yet. So we'll see you next week with another movie. Peace out. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the show, whatever movie it was about. Uh, this is a generic pre-recorded outro, but we hope you had fun. We sure do. Thanks for listening. See you next week. And the only prescription is more cowbell. We will not go quietly into the night. Stay gold, pony boy. I will not die sober. Get those fucking loose. That's all, folks.